0: morning he is risen risen we're here to celebrate the lord's resurrection today and at the same time we're going to uh celebrate communion together and uh this is a wonderful thing to do together so we've got a little um program put together this morning um somewhat similar to what we've done in the past, some readings and some poetry, some scriptures. Uh, We'll sing some hymns together, we'll break bread together, and uh, I think it should be good. Um, I'm not going to introduce everybody, they'll just uh, come up at the appropriate time. And uh, so, Steve, why don't we get started?
1: Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning knowing that you are risen. Uh, Lord, we are thankful that we can celebrate that this morning. We are thankful for the hope that that brings us, Lord, that you who conquered the grave and conquered death and conquered sin for us, give us the hope and the promise that one day we too will rise and be with you, that this uh, corruptible will put on incorruptible and this mortal will put on immortality. Lord, we are thankful that one day because you are risen, we will see you face to face. We will be like you. And Lord, that we will be with you uh, for all eternity. Lord, we are thankful for the hope that we have now here on earth to, to live out lives for you because the one that we believe in, the one that we proclaim is not dead, but risen. And Lord, we know that we can come into your presence and come before you in prayer and in supplication because you are risen because you are ascended because you are seated at the right hand of the throne on high lord we are thankful this morning that we serve a risen savior so lord as we take this time now to to meditate and to to listen to the scriptures to the poems to the thoughts to the hymns that we sing, that all that are brought before us, that we would just be encouraged, that we would be strengthened, that we would celebrate a risen Savior, and that we would be emboldened to serve that risen Savior when we go from here. Lord, it's not just about when we die. It's about how we live right now, how we reflect how we display, how we show others that we believe and that we follow and that we serve a risen Savior. So, Lord, we ask this Resurrection Day, as we hear all these things and meditate these things, that you would help us to apply them to our lives so that we may truly live for our risen Savior in our day-to-day and momentary lives. Lord, we think right now of Maria, Uh, Lord, who is suffering and going through so much and now has blood clots and is in the hospital, Lord, and um, things have just gotten worse. We just ask that you would just be with her and comfort her and strengthen her, especially on this day, and that you would remind her that she can call on the risen Savior who is there to help, who is there to guide. And we just pray that you would give the doctor's wisdom and the ability to help her and comfort her during these moments and to... um, do what they need to do to make her stay there comfortable, but also to help her improve. So, Lord, we lift her up, especially on this day, and just continue to comfort her with that strength of who she is believing in, who she trusts, and where her hope lies. And that is in our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray all these things, and we bring all these things before you this morning as we celebrate you, our risen Savior. Amen.
2: reading from Luke chapter 24, verses 6 and 7. He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. A poem from Elwood Haynes Stokes, He is Risen. He is risen, Christ the Holy, He, the Christ who once was slain, he, the earthborn, lone and lowly, burst the tomb and lives again. Grace divine to men abounded, grave sin, hell are all confounded. He is risen, men despising, truths of God revealed in time, risen to his foes, surprising, to his friends a joy sublime. Risen, yes, alive forever, Christ of endless life, the giver. Risen, risen, every nation join the universal joy, let the song fill all creation, men and angels tongues employ, saddened hell and gladdened heaven, death is conquered, Christ is risen. Risen, risen, joy forever, Christ is victor, death in chains, grave shall gain dominion never, Jesus lives, Messiah reigns. Thrill the earth with glad story. We shall reign with him in glory.
3: Let's
0: sing this hymn, The Day of Resurrection. Um, Miriam, thank Miriam for uh, playing for us today. And uh, this is... uh, Maybe uh, an unknown hymn, but it's a familiar tune. <laughs> <laughs>
3: the day of <clears throat> tell it out abroad The Passover of gladness The Passover of God From death to life eternal From earth unto the sky of victory. Our hearts be pure from evil that we may see aright. The Lord in rays eternal of resurrection light. And listening may hear so calm and plain. His own hail and hearing may raise the victor's strain. Now let the heavens be joyful, let earth her song begin. therein, let all things seen and unseen, their notes in gladness plan, for Christ the Lord hath risen, our joy that hath no
4: First Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 51. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment in the blinking of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable body must be put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. Now, when this perishable puts on the imperishable and this mortal puts on the immortality, then this saying that is written will happen. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. So then, dear brothers and sisters, be firm. Don't be moved. Always be outstanding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Death, be not proud, by John Donne. Death, be not proud. Though some have called thee mighty and dreadful, for thou art not so. For those whom thou think thou dost overthrow, die not poor death. Nor yet canst thou kill me. From rest and sleep, which by thy pictures be much pleasure, then from thee much more must flow. And soonest our best men with thee do go, rest of their bones and souls delivery. Thou art slave to fate, chance, kings, and desperate men, and dost with poison, war, and sickness dwell. And poppy or charms can make us sleep as well and better than thy stroke. Why swells thou then? One short sleep past, we wake eternally, and death shall be no more. Death, thou shalt die.
5: And good morning to everyone and uh, happy Resurrection Day and I thank uh, Alan for the opportunity to just share a few words about today and this day of ours. Um, I was thinking that there have been, there are a number of alarming words and phrases in English language that seem to grab our immediate attention. I was thinking about some of those words, and especially some that have recently, um, war and terrorism, earthquake, hurricane warning, tornado watch, job termination, bankruptcy, foreclosure, grabs our attention, separation, divorce, in critical condition. COVID, cancer. But none is more sobering than death, none, because death is a separation. Separation of a friend, a co-worker, a church, family member, uh, a loved one that we live with, those kinds of things. And uh, even when we hear about deaths of people we don't know personally, what do we do? questions fall. What did they die from? How old were they? Who did they leave behind? Um, It's those kinds of things. And and the truth of the matter is that death is a tragic reality of life. It defeats everything and every earthly undertaking. Um, And despite our attempts to prolong our lives through healthy lifestyles of, you know, good nutrition and exercise and healthy choices and in my case, numerous medications, um, death always wins. It always defeats health. The probability of dying is not one in a million. It's not one in a thousand. It's not one in a hundred. It's not even one in ten. It's one in one. And death is universal, and it's a curse, and it's the last enemy. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews 9.27 that it's appointed for men once to die. And then after this, the judgment. And with death comes the grave. Um, I don't like going to graves. I don't like going to cemeteries. Last Saturday, uh, uh, we had to do exactly that. Uh, my son and I and my wife, we had to, uh, uh, an aunt of mine had passed. And uh, after a short service, uh, the burial, we're on our way to Holy Cross Cemetery in North Arlington. And if you go to plot, Number 68, which is right adjacent to Skyway Avenue. You make a left-hand turn from there, and you're right there where the Colucci plots are. And uh, there's quite a row of them. And my father was one of 12, and now there's only four of those children left, two boys and two girls. I have two uncles and two aunts. And I was looking at all those who have gone before us, including my father, It's like 18 or 19 of them. Not only my grandmother and grandfather, aunts and uncles, my father, but cousins too. And um, it's a sad time. It's a solemn time. Put the flower on the casket and you walk away. It's probably sadder for my cousins who have lost their mother and now have that empty chair at their dining table, dining room table. Um, It's a woeful place for me. It's bitter for me. I don't like going there. But I haven't said anything you haven't know, You don't know yourselves. You've all experienced that. And uh, this is not a day of gloom. I was thinking about that. Last Saturday was gloomy, you know, but uh, I knew that Easter was coming. And the, uh, the weather was getting a little bit better, and I could see flowers uh, starting to bloom. And I said, you know what? Easter's coming. It's coming. And uh, this is our day of hope. This is a day in which we hope be, there's hope beyond the grave. There's hope beyond death. And today is resurrection Sunday. So this is not a day of gloom. This is not, the devastation of death does not uh, scare us anymore. And as has just been read, um, death has been rendered powerless because our King, our savior has risen from the dead. He is ill. He is alive. And at the epicenter of the Christian faith is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the compo- one of the essential components, I think, of the gospel. Um, R.A. Torrey um, and Adrian Rogers had this to say. Without the resurrection, Christianity topples like a house of cards. It separates our faith from the faith of all the other faiths and religions, if you will. Um, because it's not about religion with us. It's about a relationship with us. It's about a relationship with a risen God, a risen Savior, not a dead God. And the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, 17, that if Christ is not risen, your faith, our faith, is futile. We would be f- a foolish to meet every Sunday and, and to praise a, a dead God. Um, I was thinking that we would be frauds. We would be perpetuating a lie. If Jesus Christ did not, in fact, rise from the dead, it would make the entire New Testament, you might as well call the New Testament the book of lies, because Jesus did not rise from the dead. And it would be a fairy tales, for that matter. And worse yet, if he did not rise from the dead, we would still be dead in our trespasses and sins. We would be condemned. We would face certain Judgment, we would face the second death, which is complete separation from God. We would be destined for hell, um, but we're not. Such is not the case. And as we've just read um, in 1 Corinthians 15, 54, passage actually that Paul wrote, I think with alluding to Isaiah 25, 8 in the Old Testament, death has been swallowed up in victory. Now, let's face it. Death has been doing quite a bit of swallowing over the centuries, devouring, swallowing. Picture for a moment, I was trying to to come up with a word, a a vivid picture of this. Think of this giant creature, this huge behemoth-like monster, if you will, with this insatiable appetite, one that is impossible to satisfy. And it's always hungry. It's always on the prowl. It is always stalking for another victim, working to getting that victim year after year, uh, decade after decade, century after century, until it makes its way through the whole human race, swallowing up another and another and another. But when Christ rose from the dead, he swallowed up the victory that death thinks it has, the swallower. Became the swallowed. And who's behind all that swallowing? Well, the devil, Satan. He thought he had victory. All right, death is swallowed up in victory. He thought he had victory probably in the Garden of Eden when he got Adam and Eve to sin. And I'm sure he certainly thought that when Christ hung in Golgotha at the cross of Calvary, I've got him now. He probably thought that he had victory there. But that didn't happen because death was defeated on the cross and validated by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hebrews two verses 14 and 15, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of of death, that is the devil and free those all their lives who were held in slavery by the fear of death. It's that fear of death. That is the thing, isn't it? It's the fear of death. I heard Billy Graham one time talking about that he did not fear death, that he feared the process of death, and that's 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 the whole thing. You know, it's it's always lingering over us. And but when, but Jesus Christ hinders death from its swallowing, and it doesn't allow the swallowing of his saints, because if you're a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ you are truly born again, you have confessed your sins, you have, you have put your full faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for your eternal salvation, the, the, the truth of that matter is that when we die, we rise again, and death is swallowed up in victory forever and ever and ever. And it's true, yes, Jesus did taste death for every man and woman. At the cross, he said it is finished when he was done with his work here. But the amen to it is finished is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And yes, he died. And yes, he was buried. And yes, he rose from the dead. And death could not keep him. And I, and when I think about not being able to keep the Lord Jesus dead in the grave, and now there's an empty grave. I was thinking of that hymn by the uh, Baptist, uh, Baptist pastor, Robert Lowry, who wrote... Uh, Christ arose in 1874, and we sing it sometimes during Easter um, and, uh, you know, our resurrection day. But one the last, the third verse of that or stanza, if you will, is this. Death could not keep his prey, P-R-E-Y. Jesus, my Savior. He rolled the stone away, Jesus, my Lord. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his, fo- for his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain. That's the grave. And he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose. He arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. Jesus has defeated the enemy of us all, death. And moreover, we could utter the words that Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, 55, and 56. We've just read that poem by John Donne. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of the sin is the law. In other words, as Matthew Henry said, death, we fear no further harms from you, because Jesus vanquished the power of death that was held over us. Yes, we may be called to die, unless the rapture comes. I'm really praying for the rapture. (laughs) I'm really praying for the rapture. Uh, but we may be called to die one day, but because of Christ and His resurrection, our death is not final. It's think of a doorway. We came in through these doors, death, and in a nanosecond, the doors open, and from we enter from this life into life eternal. And our destiny is final victory. And who doesn't like victory? You know, especially those of you who are athletes. If you ever went into a game thinking, "Oh, I can't wait till we lose today." No, uh, uh, it's always about the victory. And John five verse twenty four. I tell you the truth: whoever hears my word and believes on him who sent me has eternal life, and will not be condemned. We will pass, in other words, crossed over from death to life. One of the great Bible teachers, the late great Bible teacher, was R. C. Sproul. He had this to say: It is not our doom that is certain, but Satan's. His head has been crushed by the heel of Christ, who is the Alpha. And the omega. So when we read verse fifty-five, it's I almost looked at it as Paul writing almost like taunting death and the devil, but it's more of like a victory shout too. And the source of the victory is the Lord Jesus Christ who conquered sin and death for us. The sting of death is sin, but Christ by dying on the cross has taken out that sting. Quick story about a mother and a little baby, little child, five-year-old. And the child's playing around the house. And every few minutes, that child would run to his mother and cling to her and grab her legs, frightened, terrified. Every few minutes. And finally, the mom says, you know, what's wrong? Why, Why are you so afraid? And he said, there's a bee that keeps flying around. I'm afraid it's going to sting me. And with that, the mother opened her hand and said, it can't harm you it stung me i took the stinger and that bee can never harm you and that's what jesus christ did he took the stinger away from us he removed that stinger of death if you will the power of the sin is the law but the curse of the law has been removed because our lord our savior our redeemer became a curse for us and uh, when he went to the cross and we're no longer condemned by the law and one day the presence of sin will not exist because we're going to enter into life eternal and sin will not exist there. So, and then he gets to the resurrection of Jesus probably is a vivid reminder for us about our future. It's secure. And our, our future is going to be far better than anything in this earth could ever be in this world. It reminds us that we have a hope and a joy and a happiness that we can't even fathom. Eyes have not seen, nor ears heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared love him, Apostle Paul wrote. And Jesus made promises to us. He said, uh, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it was not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself, so that where I am, you may be also. I think that's a pretty good place. If the Lord is there and he's, paid, he, he's prepared a place for us where he is, it's got to be a good place. Don't know how good the English language can't describe it. And I think finally it reminds us that, you know, we will pass from death to life. And as we read, it will bring immortality into a better light for us. And we get to, uh, with immortality comes the assurance of a transformed body, a new body. It's going to be fit for all eternity. This body cannot be fit for eternity, our bodies. But we're going to have one, a glorified body. And so as John Dunn has stated, death be not proud, thou too shalt die. Death, it's swallowed up in victory. Death, it's lost its sting. The grave no longer can hold us. And so we can proclaim, as Paul did, thanks be to God who give us the victory our Lord Jesus Christ
6: John 20 verse 11 but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb and as she wept she stopped to look into the tomb Good Friday by Christina Rossetti. Am I a stone and not a sheep that I can stand, O Christ, beneath thy cross to number drop by drop thy blood's slow loss and yet not weep. Not so those women loved who with exceeding grief lamented thee. Not so fallen Peter, weeping bitterly. Not so the thief was moved. Not so the sun and moon, which hid their faces in a starless sky. A horror of great darkness at broad noon. I, only I. Yet give not o'er, but seek thy sheep true shepherd of the flock, greater than Moses, turn and look once more and smite a rock.
0: Let's sing uh, how deep the Father's love before before we break bread together should be a familiar hymn.
3: Let's
0: stand to sing.
3: How deep the Father's love for us How vast beyond all measure that He should give His only Son to make a wretched treasure. How great the pain of searing loss! The Father turns His face away, as would which mar the Chosen One, bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon the cross, my sin upon his shoulders, ashamed It was my sin that held him there, until it was accomplished, his dying breath has brought me life. (coughs) No, it is finished. In Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his?
7: Partake of the uh, Lord's Supper now. Um, so, if you haven't uh, received the bread and the wine uh, when you came in, uh, they're in the back there in case anyone needs it. Um, so, Communion, the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, the Breaking of Bread—they're all names for what we're about to partake in now, and it goes back to the original Passover. And the Jews were in Egypt and a death sentence had been declared upon all the firstborn in Egypt from the greatest to the least, the rich, the poor, but even the Jew and the Egyptian and the foreigner. It was a universal death sentence to the firstborn. And the only way to survive was to place the blood of the lamb between you And the angel of death. And so that's what, of course, the Jews did. And after these events, God said, this is so important. You need to remember it. You need to remember it all the time. And so you're going to celebrate every year as a remembrance. And you're going to teach it to your children. And you're going to make sure they understand what happened here. And the Lord Jesus, in obedience to that, was celebrating the Passover when we had the Last Supper, as we refer to it. And he took the events of the Passover and he placed them on himself. And he explained that now something new was happening. That rather than the physical death, which was feared during the first Passover, there was a spiritual death, and that there was going to be blood placed. Between that death and those who were meant to die it. And the Lord says that it was his blood. It's from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The Lord Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And so just as the Lord had the Israelites remember the Passover, the Lord Jesus tells us we need to remember the last supper and what he did and the new covenant in his blood that was shed for us. And so commune is a remembrance but it also says for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so it's a proclamation. It's a declaration. That we believe that these things happen. But it's also a serious time. This comes with an admonition. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of a Lord, the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks the cup. For whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. And so this is a very spiritual time, a very sacred time. So in a minute, I'm going to pray for the bread and then we're going to partake it. But before we do that, let's just spend a minute examining our hearts and really remembering, as God instructs, what the Lord Jesus did for us, how he took his body and his blood and placed it between us and the spiritual eternal death that we were meant to experience. We'll do that for a minute, and then I'll pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your body. Um, After dwelling in eternal glory uh, and fellowship with your father, you somehow put that aside and took on flesh, a body really for the sole purpose of having it destroyed. Lord, uh, just remember that you did this out of great love for us you endured all the pain of the cross. Lord, as you instruct, we remember this. We praise you for it. We worship you. So now as we take this bread, let us do it with hearts that are glad for the wonderful mercy that's been shown to us and hearts that are in awe of your goodness and love. We pray this in your name. Amen. So the Bible also tells us that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Um, I can stand here. I'm sure everyone could stand here today and say, I am needed blood to be shed for my sins because I know they are great. And any single one of them would separate me from God forever. But praise God, there's a new covenant in his blood it makes a way for us to be with him. Let's give him thanks for the cup now. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the new covenant in your blood. Lord, not the uh, the blood of animals that really had no effect. It was repeated year after year after year. Lord, not the blood of even a... Uh, a human that you placed above the animals, but your own precious and sacred blood that was poured out willingly. I think, Lord, about how you say, "No one took your life from you, but you laid it down for us." Lord, thank you that you poured your blood out. It's a sufficient offering for our sin. We praise you for that and we remember what you did for us as you command. In your name we pray. Amen.
8: I'm going to read three quotes now, um, the first by Tozer, and then you'll see who the other two are by. The resurrection morning was only the beginning of a great, grand, vast outreach that has never ended and will not end until our Lord Jesus comes back again. The risen life of Jesus is the nourishment and strengthening and blessing and life of a Christian. Our daily experience ought to be that there comes, wavelet by wavelet, that silent, gentle, and yet omnipotent influx into our empty hearts, this very life of Christ himself. I love this one. Because of the empty tomb, we have peace. Because of his resurrection, we can have peace during even the most troubling of times, because we know that he is in control of all that happens in this world.
0: In the uh, Heidelberg Confession, there's a series of questions and answers. This is the first question in that uh, sequence. Question, what what is your only comfort in life and in death? And the answer is that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Let's sing uh, this hymn. Um, maybe it's, a. Uh, I think we've sung it in our breaking of bread here before. Christ our hope in life and death. Let's step, let's step, stop. Let's let's stand and sing. <clears throat> we're quiet enough as it is, and it um, voices come out better when we're standing. Okay, let's try again. Let's
3: what is our hope in life and death? Christ alone, Christ alone, what is our hope Let our souls to him belong, who holds our days within his hands. stand. Oh, sing hallelujah, our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah, now and ever confess, Christ our God is good. God is good. Where is His grace and goodness known? In our need, Redeemer's blood. Sense the waves that bring us nigh unto the shore, the rock of Christ. Oh, sing hallelujah! Hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah! our hope in life and death. Unto the grave, what shall we sing? Christ he lives, Christ he lives, and what reward is ours forevermore, O sing hallelujah, our hope springs eternal, O sing. Our hope in life and death.
9: Let's pray. Father, we thank you for thy son, the Lord Jesus. We thank you that he is indeed our hope in life and death. We thank you that we can come before you in prayer, both as individuals, and yet we know that we are not just individuals. We are a body. We are part of his body, the church, and members one another. And we thank you that we can lift our hearts together in song and in prayer we thank you for this opportunity that we've had today, Lord, to consider your son, to consider who he is, to consider what he has done, consider his, his death, a time of great pain and anguish for him, both physically and yet even more as he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. We think, Lord, of what we often don't think about, of what it was like for Um, his disciples, his followers, those who knew him and loved him in the time between his death and his resurrection, the heartbreak, the sadness, the sorrow, the one whom they loved was gone. Some of them had some inkling of the resurrection. We think most of them did not. And so it was a time of perhaps unmitigated darkness and hopelessness. In the loss of thy son, of their leader, of the one that they had hoped perhaps was the Messiah. And then, Lord, the joy of the resurrection. To hear those wonderful words, he is not here, he is risen, just as he said. Father, we thank you for this. We thank you, Lord, that your son did indeed rise from the dead as we've been hearing if he had not risen, those words, it is finished, would have been hollow, would have just been the last words of a martyr. And yet they were not just the last words of a martyr. They were they were words of triumph for one who knew that he had won the victory. Lord, we thank you for all that the resurrection means. Because of the resurrection, all that your son says is reliable. He said he would rise again. His own disciples didn't believe him, but he did. He rose from the dead. He said he was the way and the truth and the life. How can you believe such a thing? But he rose from the dead. He said that he would come again and be with them. He said he would prepare a place for them. How can a man who dies do that? But he rose from the dead. He's risen from the dead to give us new life and new power in him. Lord, we are pitiful, weak creatures, even as those who have trusted Christ as Savior, we know our own weakness, and yet your Son lives within us, in the person of your Spirit, and his resurrection life is at work inside of us in spite of our weakness. We thank you for that, and we thank you, Lord, that because he rose from the dead, as we've been reminded uh, multiple times, we have a Savior that we can have a relationship with, We don't serve a dead Savior. We serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today, and he's in our hearts. And we thank you that because of this, we have a person that we can have a relationship with, that we can know your beloved son, who is just altogether lovely. He's altogether wonderful. He's an amazing person. And he's not just a historical figure that we read about, someone who was a special, wonderful person and We enjoy reading about, but we we can't, of course, ever come to know that person because they lived centuries ago and they're long since gone. But no, he's a person whom we can know right now, who we can have a relationship with by faith right now. We thank you for this, Father. We are those um, who have trusted Christ in a personal way as Lord and as Savior. And as such, we belong to him and we joyfully acknowledge this. We are yours. We are not our own. We thank you for thy son, the Lord Jesus, in this time to consider him. In Christ's name, amen.